Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here to present you with seeds of wisdom uh, and liberation. We are here every time we get on the air is our responsibility and our goal is our hope that uh we empower you and our listeners and everyone else you encounter to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And um, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. Primary way, um, we do have a phone line that's open. You can call the phone line and get in on that. And that is 347-237-5230. That is the number to get your uh, thoughts, insights live on air. And also, you can um, come to the chat room. The chat room is open, and you can uh, go to blocktalkradio.com slash zero today. Click on the link on our Facebook page, uh, Zero Network. Um, the link is available there. You can click on there and um, join in the conversation. Uh, follow us on our uh, Twitter at Zero Radio on Twitter. Um, again, um, so many other places. Uh, you can send me an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. That's the way uh, you can get in touch with us. Follow me on all my um, social media. You can visit my website, www.LorenzoTNeal.com. Um, purchase a copy of my book and other readings and things like that. You have a have a great time. Um, if you're wondering why I'm kind of staggering and um, seem a bit discombobulated, I'm I'm looking at uh, President-elect Trump speak, and so um, I'm, I'm yeah I'm all over the place. So today we're going to talk about um, Obama's speech last night. We're going to talk about a couple other things. 
a pastor who gets arrested for armed robbery. We're going to talk about the Kim Burrell fiasco that's been going on. And, of course, uh, as we lead up into this great celebration, the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, we will be discussing some of those some uh, things about him also. So, as always, you're welcome to join us, but we want to go first in prayer. I'll get my earphones right, too. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. We bless you. For your name is good, and it's great to be praised. We ask, oh God, that you would just be with us, stand by us, uh, as we go into the rest of this program for the next hour or so, God, that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We ask this in your son Jesus' name, and for his sake we pray. Amen. Now, I'm not sure um, if my mic is working or if um, it's just picking it, picking up. We, we've been having, you know, we took a break um, over the weekend, over the last several months. And I didn't share a lot as far as what was going on during that time, but there was a lot going on. Um, we lost nephews, lost another family member, lost church member. So we were dealing a lot with grief and death. And we had sickness. And that was the primary reason. I had an upper respiratory infection, bronchitis. And so I really wasn't able to do much of anything. Uh, but thanks be to God, we are, we have made it into a new year. And God's praise. God be praised. Uh, let me see what's going on here. Got this echo going. Uh, yeah, anyway, we made it through the year, and we're just excited about it. Yeah, go figure out here. But we made it through the year. Into this new year, and we're just excited about what is going to happen in 2017. Um, the reality is, uh, I think that this year is going to be a great year. I know some people are <laughs> are depressed because of, of the upcoming inauguration of Donald Trump, and it is what it is, really. It really is what it is. We, the people, have spoken. The majority of the people have spoken, and the majority that happen to be white have spoken, and they elected the person that they believed would be in the best interest of their country. Um, so, it, like I said, it is what it is. But um, all we can do is be prayerful, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but um, as stated before, there, there's a lot going on. I, I, I caught... Uh, President Obama's speech last night, and and um, I guess I'll go ahead and lead off with that. I think it was a wonderful speech. Um, I I do I I do think he was a fair president. I, I won't say he was a great con- president. I I don't believe that uh, he was a a great president. Although most a lot of people believe that. But I stick by what, um, I mean, 
you're talking about a president who, at least from the religious morality perspective, um, went against everything that the church stands for. Uh, morally, he supported uh, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, and uh, morally, he uh, led in the death of hundreds of thousands of Middle Easterners in Libya, in um, Syria, and Yemen, um, with drone attacks, you know, hundreds of thousands, uh, well, I'll just say thousands, I'm not going to say hundreds of thousands, but thousands of innocent persons have been killed because of him, of his administration. Of course, you know the fiasco with his Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, Libya, Benghazi. Um, We celebrate the fact that um, he led uh, in the capture and uh, assassination of Osama bin Laden. So we celebrate that. We celebrate that that he has been America's mourner-in-chief also. We've seen more uh, mass tragedies under his administration than the last two previous administrations. Um, and, and, the, and the way he carried himself as a reflection of the grief of the people in the nation is commendable. It's very much commendable. And the affection toward his wife and children. If nobody else says it, I'm going to say it. The man displayed the most genuine and the most uh, love toward his family than many American presidents in recent history. And I say that because, um, um, you know, I, it's easier because, you know, a generation ago that would not have been, you know, you didn't see that type of affection between First Lady and, and the president. But with uh, President Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, you saw the affection. You saw how they worked together, and you saw the genuine love for one another that they displayed before the nation. Now, how true that is, you know, <laughs> whether it was all for the camera or not, but last night it proved to be uh, very, very authentic and genuine in his remarks regarding his family, and, and that is what we commend. Unfortunately, unfortunately, while he raised the bar for us men, black men, and while he uh, tried to lead the charge in helping us be our brother's keeper from his first term in office until now. Unfortunately, we have not followed suit. We still are wrestling with the disintegration of the black family. And um, while he has countered the image of the black man as being lazy and a criminal, and while he has done such a wonderful job countering that, we still have a long way to go. In his hometown, um, again, the vast majority of the crime is committed with us as blacks on blacks. And, um, yes, there's white-on-white crime. And while the Black Lives Matter movement came to prominence under his, or basically developed under his administration, uh, the slant that it was given uh, proved to be more... um, uh, uh, deconstructive than constructive. So we have a ways to go as a country. And um, what we saw was the uncovering, and I said this on a number of occasions, his turn brought off, uh, took off the covers, blinders of racism. 
unfortunately, everybody, <laughs> just about everybody was considered a racist. And um, we know that not to be the case, but any white person that's, you know, disagreed or any white person that challenged, and, and there were some grounds, there were a lot of grounds we can go back and, and talk about. A lot of grounds for such accusation. I mean, I, some who sincere, and I talked about this in my sermon the other day. There are a lot of genuine, sincere people who do things thinking that what they're doing is is good, and it it really is not. It's it's malevolent, and um, and and you know, it's it's just something we have to we have to get over. It's something we have to understand that exists. And as he mentioned in his, his speech last night, we can't afford to ignore it. We must acknowledge it. It must be well lit. We must be willing to address it head on uh, on both sides. And as blacks, we can't afford to continue to be so forgiving. We must begin to demand. We must demand that... They recognize the fact that yes, you you have those tendencies, whether you admit it or not. And yes, when we are addressing those tendencies, we're not doing so in in a manner to be um, angry, vigilant, or anything like that, or antagonistic. But to help you realize and understand that you need to see it from our perspective, but also to develop a sense of empathy. Uh, the question is, will that be going forward? Will that will we see that? Or will it, the covers be put back on in the next four years under President-elect Trump? Um, and and I said it in sermons before, although I and I've said it publicly. Although I didn't agree with a lot of President Obama's policies and ideologies, I did not agree with him, uh, and most most blacks didn't. But because we understood that he is a he is a representation of our hope. The great hymn, the great, I won't say, it is a hymn, but the black national anthem, he is a representation of our hope, you know, and our faith. He is that representation in person. In that sense, yes, he was like a messiah for us. He was the bringer of a sense of hope that a black man, a black woman can do and achieve great things. So we have to commend him for that. We have to commend those who put him up to run, both from the state legislature to the Senate and to the office of a president. You know, we have to commend those who saw that potential. And although, unfortunately, those who put <laughs> who who saw that potential had slantings and leanings and ideologies that were, um, some would say, un-American, and some would say socialist, some would say Marxist. It doesn't matter what you call it. Uh, in a way, it wasn't. It conflicted with the reality of the American people, and that was that's what caused a lot of the ascension that white America felt. You know, what they call socialism, what they call Marxism, was just simply a fear of the unknown, but a reliving and a remeshing of what was known. You know, bringing up the. The past of the fifties, and so when Trump talks about making the great America great again, you know, they go back to the idea of the fifties when, on the sixties when they were standing up to the Russian and the oppression, you know, the um, communist threat around the world, 
and and unfortunately, that nostalgia helped get President Elect Trump um, that nostalgia, and and it's kind of funny because now those persons are feeling what persons felt in 2008 when President Obama felt was elected. They're feeling that sense of togetherness. They're feeling that sense of hope. They're feeling that sense of relevance once again. And uh, <laughs> and so now they're asking uh, those who supported Trump, are uh, asking those who supported Obama to give the same type of, you know, uh, credence and, and um, respect for Trump that was demanded of them of Obama. And they didn't want... You know, you know they didn't. They those persons who were creating those memes and those images of Trump as a, a ape and uh, all that, and the persons who were spreading the fact that he was a hidden homosexual, a closet homosexual, and that uh, Michelle Obama was a um, tra- is a uh, trans uh, woman, all kinds of stuff. You know, uh, they're they're demanding now that you don't say anything about Donald Trump. Negative. So it, it, you know, that's the cycle of American politics. I do pray and wish well for uh, President Obama and his family as his daughters grow up and they get to reflect on their years in the White House, and he gets to enter the life of a private citizen once again. And um, who knows what what will happen? You know, uh, what is his sphere of influence? Will he be like Bill Clinton? As a post president, uh, would his post presidency be like Bill Clinton, um, or would he be like George W. Bush, or will he be like Jimmy Carter? Will he be a president who will continue to, to do well for the people, and uh, and go out of his way to promote the American way, or will he just go back to being a quiet citizen? And you know. He's made mil- He and Michelle have both made millions, uh, and they will they will grow that wealth now uh, because they are you know they are former first lady and first and president. So they will amass their wealth unless he hasn't managed it well, which I doubt. He can go back to a career in teaching, and, uh, and I'm quite sure I'd love to study under him. I mean, just to pick his brain. Uh, and uh, it, it's, 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 he has a lot to, he has a lot that he can continue to offer the world. Now, he might be the Antichrist. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> you know, they, they were saying that uh, right after he was elected that he was the Antichrist, and well, maybe he'll go to work in the, the UN and become the Antichrist. <laughs> well, the Lord knows. <laughs> but we 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 commend him and uh, pray for him and his family and um and we we'll be praying for president elect Donald Trump and, and based on the speech that I was hearing that I just saw I I'm really going to be praying because you you have and I'm I I'll say this publicly and you know you have a person who has been elected as the president of the United States, who is taking responsibility for corporate decisions that he has no direct uh, inkling to do with. But maybe he does. But, you know, the it's the appearance 
Uh, he's he's talking about all these jobs that are staying in America, or or not, uh, or creating jobs, and uh, mentioned that all the all the proceeds from hotel stays, all <laughs> dignitaries who stay in his hotels, uh, whatever they pay, will be donated to U.S. Treasury. Now that's a lot. That is quite a lot, and it's all going back to. To saying that I am this person, I am this great of a person, and I hate the way that he uses the word great. Oh, he was a great, he was a great attorney general, he was a great this. I'm like, dude, build up a vocabulary. At least President Obama had a vocabulary. <laughs> he had a demeanor that let you know that he was educated, and that he his his intelligence was 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 there. This guy, well, anyway, <laughs> I'm a good Republican, so I will keep my mouth closed. But anyway. I wanted to share. I wanted to share you this um, story. Um, that just oh, before I get any further, um, uh, saddens me to make this announcement. But I'm sure you probably heard Dylan Roof, the person, the young man who killed uh, the nine members of Manuel Amy Church in uh, Charleston was sentenced to death. And while some are applauding, I'm I'm not really applauding that. I'm I'm rather disappointed and largely because he still has a little more time. Maybe he will take that time to ponder his life. Uh he's only twenty two years old and maybe the ten to twelve years that it takes for the death sentence to be carried out, um if he does not take appeals, I mean, if he takes appeals, maybe about 10, 15 years for appeals. Uh, if he does not take the appeals, like the uh, Oklahoma City bomber, Timothy McVeigh, who declined all appeals and was executed uh, not not many years after he committed his crime. Uh, maybe that's what he wants. Maybe that's what Dylan Roof wants. But um, we... We should pray, continue to pray for him. But, you know, I do think the death penalty in this case was worth it. But at the same time, I um, I am wishing that the, um, <laughs> the death penalty would be, you know, like they used to do back in the day. You get your, they announce the death penalty and then shortly after they march you to the barracks to get to the guillotine or to the barracks to be hung. <laughs> No, anyway, uh, it's neither here nor there. Let me take a quick break and um, get into some of the um, other topics that I want to talk about um, while I have a few minutes' time. And we will be back right after this. Electric company? I will turn this car around right now. 
There's nobody back there. I was becoming my father. <clears throat> it's been an adjustment, but we're making it work. You know, Progressive.com makes it easy for us to get the right home insurance. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto. I noticed it as soon as we moved into the new house. A lot of people have vertical blinds. A lot of people jumped off her bitch, would you? <laughs> he just seemed so different. You hungry? I'm okay. Yeah? You got a little... I... Your cheek's always that rosy. How long has this been here? I don't know. We moved in today. I mean... I'm becoming my... Uh, mother. Crumb, 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 crumb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <sighs> <sighs> I just feel like those are Friday night shoulders and we want some Sunday morning. Well, I'm going to take a bath. Parentomorphosis is a condition that occurs when a young person begins taking on more and more adult responsibility in their lives. Uh, for some people, like Stephen, that can trigger a change uh, where they begin to adopt qualities of one of their parents. Mm, that's off. I keep it. It's been hard. It's been hard. But some of the stuff he says is actually pretty helpful. Hey, Helen, I got a great idea. Bundling our home and auto insurance. It's a great deal. It's like buying in bulk. Do you hear what I said? He knows exactly what flatters my figure. We are always on time, and his craft projects are very impressive. Pantry full of macaroni. Ready, Mom? I'll be right down. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto. Did I bring my shawl? I don't, I don't think I... I don't think you did bring your shawl. Welcome back to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we're glad that you're joining us on the first Wednesday that we are here in the new year, 2017. All right, so uh, this is the headline that I wanted to get to before I went in my rant about President Obama and his remarks and whatever else I talked about before the break. <laughs> um, uh, a pastor is supposed to be a teacher of the gospel, preacher of the gospel, shepherd of the people of God. Um, and one of the things we are strongly uh, supposed to teach uh, is the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. You know, uh, and one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not steal. And we, we, we constantly hear reports of pastors embezzling money from their congregants in various means. Whether it's to do with 
business attempt that fails or investments that uh, go awry and, and fail. Or if the pastor is he or herself, uh, himself or herself, um, just basically takes the people's money and spends it on their own lifestyle uh, in the way of Ponzi scheme. People give money thinking that they are going to get return on their investment in the church by way of outreach ministry and whatever else, but it goes toward lavish lifestyle of the pastor. Well, what happens when the pastor can't keep that up? What would what pastors do? What some pastor, you know, a good pastor would say, "Well, I will, you know, I get a job, and now if I have to be bivocational, I'll do so, or I won't take a salary from the church." And I live off, I live completely by faith, and the Lord will provide. Or I will fold the church, close the church, uh, because if it's a, if it's, if it's a, a, a burden on myself to carry the ministry or the people to carry the ministry, then maybe God did not ordain the ministry. And my father did that. Um, he pastored the church. He founded it, labored in it for. Uh, Nearly 10 years, uh, more than 10 years. And uh, it was getting burdensome uh, on he and the members, so he allowed, God allowed him to close the church. And he is united with a ministry that is still utilizing his pastoral and uh, teaching gifts. But one pastor didn't see it so that way. One pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, basically said, well, I'm going to get the money from anywhere and has been arrested allegedly for robbing, robbing a number of businesses at gunpoint. Um, the pastor, pastor uh, Apostle John Lindsay, uh, was arrested by Charlotte Police. Uh, he's the pastor of True Love Church of Refuge, of uh, Refuge in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he was accused of robbing several convenience stores by gunpoint. And his wife, a prophetess, uh, is standing by her husband and is is basically, uh, her husband was arrested for armed robbery, and he had prior conviction, you know, he had done jail time, and so, um, for, for, for robbery of all things. But anyway, He's he has been arrested uh, of armed robbery for these convenience stores, and his wife is trying to stand is standing by her man, but she's also soliciting the believers uh, to help uh, carry the expense of his um, his um, defense. Now this is just you know. Um, uh, she's asking for supporters to help her raise $20,000. This is coming, by the way, uh, from uh, the old black church, Miss um, Ann Block, Brock and her staff there um, put this story, in, and I'm just sharing it. What would you do? What should the members do? Should the members of his church give towards his defense, knowing that he has been, con- he has been arrested and accused uh, indicted, I guess is the best word, for armed robbery. 
and armed robbery carries a long jail term. You know, it's not some five year maybe. Uh, you know, he's a felon with a <laughs> with a gun, so he's looking at at least twenty five years, at least. But then again, I'm not I'm not a, a lawyer, so or a judge, so I can't say. <laughs> but um, she's asking her church members or her 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 people, whoever, to um, to help her. She 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 she's asking for support financially and of course spiritually. But here's the thing: what she says in the article. In the article, she says that she is down to one income. As her husband is incarcerated, one income, and uh, I don't. I'm not going to try to read anything into that. But it's just, how how should the church approach that? What do you think the members should do? Uh, me personally, you know, I, I I would love them. I'd probably visit them in jail, but he wouldn't get any money because, for one, he should know exactly what to do. He should know um, that. Uh, if he needed something, God would provide. But he has a criminal history, so he should also know that uh, he asked to the the belief that criminals can't be reformed, especially the black men. And there's so much that other plays into that, and you know, and that's the sad thing. You, you know, what about the people who are? Not in the faith, and they see this pastor is a stick 'em up guy. And and I know several non-believers in that area, several non-believers who um, who probably like this is why we don't go to church. But it is what it is. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that story with you. Um, I don't know what to say about it. I personally just don't think it should. Um, they should help at all. This is crazy. Anyway, so um, trying to do too many things at once. This, um, so let's let's talk about this Kimberrell thing. Only have about another. Uh, I only I've only. Heard of this for the last week or so. Um, I was trying to find the video so I could uh, be a little bit more informed. All, all I have, all the information I have is uh, all secondary and tertiary. I have not seen the original excuse me, video. Uh, I've only seen commentary about commentary about commentary on the video. Um, and hearing the falling out of her being disinvited off the Ellen DeGeneres show, uh, disinvited off um, some gospel awards show, um, and no longer collaborating with um, secular artists as she has been. Um, And the fact that um, apparently people are thinking that pastors are mute or have been mute on it. Not enough pastors are speaking in defense of her or uh, coming to her aid in her defense. And I'm going to be honest with you. One, because, again, the information that I 
I have is secondary and tertiary. Uh, so if it were in court of law, it'd be hearsay, and I wouldn't be able to present a credible argument for or against because I don't have the um, initial um, means of seeing whether it's credit, you know, at credit or not. But from my perspective, just from my perspective, just to put my little two cents in here. Um, the reality is that homosexuals homosexuals make up a great deal of the population of many black churches. We don't we don't hide that fact. They're in the choirs, they're in the music uh sections, you know, musicians. Uh, they're definitely in um the pews and in some cases they're in the pulpit. Um so we, we, we acknowledge the fact that they are there. The question is, is it antiquated to preach about it because uh, it's always been preached about. We don't need to preach about it anymore because uh, the secular law system has basically all but uh, legalized every facet of um, sodomy, as we call it, as it's come to be known, sodomy. And because of such, the church... N- no longer has grounds to address it. You know, the Supreme Court has ruled that uh, individuals of the same sex can marry, um, even though some states have still been protesting it and uh, adopting uh, laws and legislation to counteract it in some way or circumvent it. It's still there. It's on the books. And yesterday, while uh, Senator Jeff Sessions, who is uh, President-elect Trump's nominee for Attorney General in his um, in his response to the query of whether he would defend it or not, he stated that he would defend the law because uh, the majority voted of the court voted, and that's the way he, it is, and he would defend it. Um, he didn't say how aggressively he would defend it, <laughs> but he did say he, he would defend it. The question then becomes, um, does that, should pastors also be like-minded? Do we now, because it's a law, do we must, must we defend it and, and go for it? And that's very, very slippery float. And um, um, I honestly, while we want to abide by the law, we can't contradict because they will say there's some, there's some things we will be willing to defend and others we won't. There'll be something, um, particularly in those more evangelical, uh, white evangelical churches, there'll be a lot of things they'll be willing to defend, and that definitely would not be one of them, uh, along with Roe versus Wade and other um, um, rulings that they feel contradict Scripture or goes against the authority of Scripture. Now, in, in Pastor Kim Burrell's case, uh, which is not so much what she said, it's about how she said it. You know, she has to come across as this holiness preacher. She has to come across as this preacher who is spirit-filled, who is delivered and holy. And in doing so, in the preaching tradition of the Pentecostal church of which she was raised, of which she got her spiritual nurturing, and of which she developed her foundational doctrinal belief system, she has to stay within that strain. Because that is her initial audience that cap you know that that's what catapulted her to uh gospel stardom, and although she was able to work with a number of 
secular artists in um and as time progressed uh she had not fully crossed over she didn't do the Kirk Franklin deal she wasn't the Kirk Franklin or she wasn't the the Al Green or uh Donnie McClurkin or um Marvin Sapp you know whose music is played on secular regular radio stations regularly she had not yet achieved that and there are others I'm quite sure that have moderate success as crossover gospel artists. And with the recording with Pharrell and Frank Ocean, who is a known, he's an outed gap, uh, rap, gay rap star. Uh, so those kind of collaborations uh, was the bridge between those two. I mean, because both of those two males, <laughs> one is an uh, is a gay man. The other one, well, he whatever he is, you know. Pharrell is a character. He's an enigma, and I guess he's choosing to stay there with it, and that's great. But collaborating with those two particular black males, and then preaching a sermon against, uh, yeah, against that is by all means uh, a very much a, a double standard. Um. And I'm guilty of it. I've done it before. I've I've done it before a lot of times as a young preacher and even sometimes um, with the audience that I'm, I'm trying to appeal to at that moment. You know, you say what you what you want them to, what you think they want to hear, what you think would make them give you the amen back, you know, what you think would make them sound uh, with you. And applaud you as the messenger of God's gospel. We do that, and every preacher, to some degree, is guilty of that. You know, to some degree, not all, not to the degree of hers or others, but we have. Um, the que- the the question is, you know, is that what she really feels? And this is where it gets tricky, because. Um, we don't know if that's what she really feels. You know, if if that's what she, how she really believes, or is that just what she had to say at that moment with that audience? I'm likely to believe the latter. I'm likely to believe that it was just what she believed she had to say, being caught up in the moment, in that moment, to that audience. And again. Uh, it's just a sound bite. I, I don't know if the whole message was recorded, so again, we can't put it in context, you know, from start to that moment and what led up to those statements. But any preacher knows that you get in the spirit, you say stuff that's not on your manuscript. <laughs> and if you're preaching extemporaneously, which he perhaps was doing, uh, was preaching extemporaneously, you're just going to stay in the moment. You know, it's like jazz in procession. You're improvising in jazz. You know, you're going to stay in the moment. You're going to play what feels good to you at the moment. And if it gets the right reaction, you're going to stick to that. You're going to develop it more and more, you know, which is what I'm prone to believe happened to her. That she allowed herself to allow that moment to take over her. And I don't believe she really feels that because if she did, she would not, she would not even have um, given given leeway to any attempts 
at a secular uh, collaboration. None. Because they, you know, uh, uh, authentic gospel artists would not do that at all. Wouldn't do it because it wouldn't be worth it. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, But how should the church address it? Because it's clearly still a hot-button issue with the black church. With the black church. Because here you see the type of divisiveness that it has brought. You have this woman who is... um, has built her career off those persons that she very much discussed in the sermon. She built her career off that, off them. They're the ones who support gospel music more than anybody. For you know whatever reason or another, homosexuals are drawn to gospel music, and so her career is built off that. Her um, her look is built off that, you know. Um, more than likely, you, you know, gay men are now some of the most prominent hairstylists in the country. I was watching the show. Um, uh, there's several hair shows on these cable stations. Uh, one on uh, Bravo. Was it? No, is it Bravo? It's it's one of these. Um, um, well, anyway. Uh, hair, hair show, clipping there and ATL, something like cutting ATL, um, LA cuts or something like that. Anyway, I kind of came across them, but a number of the stylists are male. So more than likely, if she's getting her style, it could be getting done by a man, who more than likely, if he's doing it, is probably gay. Or portraying to be gay to be around a lot of women. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. So she's doing herself a great disservice. Of course, the secular audience quickly disavowed her, Ellen DeGeneres and others, because Ellen herself is homosexual. And, uh, excuse me. And she, you know, she's going to protect her show and her audience from anyone that she deems to be hateful, bigot, or anything like that. And she's not going to get, she's not going to care for the context. You know, it's about protecting her brand. And I don't know if Kim Burrell has a brand, or I'm quite sure she does. I don't. But the problem is, you know, when we're talking about preachers and this issue, how do we address it? We know we have them in our church. We know that we have them in our choir. We know them. We know we they exist. How do we? How do we? Preach deliverance to them without condemning them. Well, that's simple. We do the same thing that Jesus said. You know, we allow them to address the fact that they are sinners and then, you know, uh, preach the word of gospel and say, go sin no more. And, yes, that's very simplistic, but, you know, the gospel is presented in a simplistic manner. So it's just the way we see it. That's the way it should be. It should be too much, shouldn't be that much of a of a issue we should be able to say, look, this is what the scripture says about sin, adultery, fornication, um, all of the lot. And if you look in Galatians chapter 5, 18, 21, you'll find a list, <laughs> the works of the flesh. And Ephesians chapter 4, you'll find a list, you know, um, works of the flesh. And Colossians, you'll find them. You, you, you know, you'll find them. Uh, in Proverbs, you'll find what the sixth thing that God hate, 
and the seventh death and the abomination. We find those things, and of course, uh, the Decalogue that was given by Moses, by God to Moses, you know, what we know as the Ten Commandments. We are to preach that. We are not to, uh, as Paul writes to Timothy, we are to be consistent, we'll be prevalent, we'll be relevant in season and out of season. And we are to allow what we say to be seasoned with salt. Amen, somebody. We allow what we say to be seasoned with salt so that while it wounds, it also heals. And if we are to believe, as the author Hebrews writes, that the Bible is living, it's alive, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and that it is able to convict one even to the innermost parts of one's self, one's being, one's existence, then that same word is the same that can heal, restore, and deliver. If we are to believe that God is the one who corrects his children, you know, or the folks, old folks say he whoops his children, he whoops us because he loves us. And if that we are to ascribe to that ideology, uh, that belief, then we should be admonishing one another in the most holy faith to seek that which is pleasing to God. God wants to be pleased by us. God wants us to be uh, uh, his light unto the world. And God wants us to be friends in the sense, we're no longer aliens or sojourners within his gates. We are friends, not strangers. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High. And while he uh, says, be holy for I am holy, he also gives us the means of accomplishing that by way of faith. You know, and His grace is very sufficient in our weaknesses. That does not mean we neglect our weaknesses so that we can fit in. We must address the weaknesses so that the weaknesses can be healed, mended, repaired, and we can go forth on the battlefield for the Lord. Um, And I think there's a means of doing that. There's a means of grace of doing that. We ain't got to tell them how nasty they are because there are persons who are heterosexual uh, are nastier. And until we are addressing holistically all that is contrived within the idea of sin or immorality or all that other stuff in its totality, then and only then can we fully engage those who are not among us, as we would like to say, those who are still out in the world who are living by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We must show love, and we must do so in a means, in a manner that will draw them to Christ, draw them to beg for his forgiveness. And I don't mean beg in a bad sense, you know, you know, but to understand that he is the giver of forgiveness. He is the one who has already forgiven that when you acknowledge and dwell your manifold sins and wickedness, which you have time by time most grievous committed by thought, word, or deed against his divine majesty, he is most merciful and gracious to forgive you, even before you ask. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. 
um, I'm close out with, um, as you know, many of you know, this coming weekend will be uh, a number of observances for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And on Monday would be his official recognition of his uh, observance of his birthday. And I want to encourage those of you who do not do so that you would take the opportunity to give some act of service. Do something. Pay it forward to someone. Be a blessing to someone uh, in this on this time so they would know the life and legacy of Dr. King and his dream has not been lost. I'm about to get out of here, and I just want to um, let you guys know, appreciate you um, for listening, downloading. Um, go to Zero Today, uh, blogtalkradio.com, um, Zero Today, and you can listen to all archive shows. Go to uh, Zero Network on Facebook, Zero Today on Facebook, and uh, listen to shows. You can also get all the shows available on iTunes. You can download it in the podcast. And we're working on several other things we've been working, we've been saying we're trying to do. Uh, but you know how that is. Procrastination has the best of us at times. So there's still things that we want to do that we will be trying to do to make this show better, a whole lot better, including getting new stuff. <laughs> but until next week at the same time, uh, Wednesday, we want to encourage you to be your best, live your best, love your God, and love others in like manner. So, till then, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I'm getting out of here. You guys enjoy the day and um, the weekend to come. God bless you. God keep you. I'm out.